Welcome to the Enneagram and Christianity Podcast. Know God, Know Yourself, with Pastors Claire and Scott Loridge, and produced by Crossroads Church and Ministries in Marshall, Michigan. I was really sad that we lost that conversation because it was, uh, you know, some of the things that we talked about when it comes to security and survival as the core motivation and the negative fixation of fear um, and how that shows up for you and where it shows up. And so there were some pretty poignant conversations, and I don't know that we'll get there again. If we can, it would be great, but... um, Uh, we're really looking at how each of the triads, the head, the heart, and the gut, um, function from their core motivation. And then if they take that to its own too much, it becomes a negative fixation. So what we know is security and survival is important for all human beings. It's it's one of the the core motivations that all of us need in order to live in the world. But when there is an addiction to it, there is um, some trouble. So kind of like right now, we're hearing raccoons in the ceiling. And um, so I just wonder if there's any fear happening in this room. Shauna, you're sitting close to the door. I I am, but we've already peeped out, like, all the possible entryways. And, like, you know, so we're kind of ready for this. If it happens, you know, we're ready. Yeah, we're ready. So we're doing a little bit of re-recording tonight because on our retreat, when the head types, uh, Shauna 7, Shane 6, and Matthew 5, um, talked about the core motivation, which is security and survival, and the negative fixation, which is fear, and how it shows up. The thing we feared the worst came upon us, and we lost that, uh, we lost that audio. And uh, so nothing worse than asking head types to come back and try to recreate what happened there in the, uh, in the candid moments. Um, but you guys were brave enough. You came back tonight, and we're grateful. And, uh, and so welcome. We started you. out asking you, you know, what, what, uh, you know, what do you do when a raccoon is in the ceiling? And uh, we got some great, just kind of fun stuff from you. We've got Shane, you're not packing, but what will you do for, for us if this raccoon comes through the ceiling? I'll set up a diversion technique while you <laughs> open the door and get out of here. Excellent, excellent. No, and, I'll be close by. Thank you. Thank you. Matt, what, what do we have from you? Uh, well, I will be working in concert, very close concert with Shane, and uh, trying to... Uh, corral it, scare it into the corner so that you all can uh, evacuate in a safe and timely manner. We appreciate yes. that. But I did hear that you have a trap set up yes. that you've researched. Yes, there is a there is a trap set up outside so when they exit the building, uh, 
they they cannot re-enter. So excellent. And Shauna, I know you're, notice you're the closest to the door. Yep. So I'm out. <laughs> I might come back and check and make sure y'all are right though. Like once I'm out, that would be nice. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. yeah, that would be nice. But will you come back and put the sombrero on that's right behind you? Is what I'm. Wondering. If I needed to, I mean, <laughs> if you needed to entertain the raccoon to keep it from no, killing us, I'm not. Well, see, that's that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, I'm well, scared of raccoons. You, you what? I'm, I'm scared of raccoons. Okay. They freak me out. Yeah. They, At raccoons and bats. Can you hear it? Everybody be quiet for a minute. Can you hear it? No, don't hear a thing. <laughs> <laughs> because the nine is asleep. Right? Right, That's Scott? Funny. Did you really call the raccoon collector? I have to, called okay. him a couple times. He, I don't think he likes raccoons either. He's not calling me back. So. It's like a Batman. <laughs> Um, turtle man, we need turtle man. <laughs> <laughs> so really, while we were on retreat, we were talking about um, the core motivation of security and survival. Right. And of course, we all need that core motivation of security and survival. You know, when we think about it in terms of evolutionary um, needs, back in the day, we absolutely had to know were we safe. There's a raccoon in the tree or there's a leopard in the you know in the bushes or something like that and how can we survive and um and so yeah that's a great core motivation it's a great instinct and at the same time when it's too much it becomes what a negative fixation um of fear how fear shows up right so um can can you guys tell us how fear shows up um, maybe even a story about security and survival uh, and how when it's taken to its own too much, fear can paralyze you either in analysis paralysis or, uh, you know, uh, um, questioning and, you know, paranoia even possibly or in futuring in such a way that you're planning a way to uh, make sure you're not afraid. So, um, for, for me as a, as a five, um, when, when, when I am operating in an unhealthy fashion, um, and, uh, I'm sensing fear or I'm having to kind of armor up or feel like I have to protect myself in some sort of way. I, that's that's when I really pull back a, a, away from really every everything and everybody, and uh, I just get into this mode where I'm just going to be by myself in my own little space and take care of my stuff um, because that really feels safe to me. So I I really begin to withdraw. I begin to withdraw from conversations, from interacting with people. And um, just uh, not really hide in my own space, but definitely push people away um, in a in a in a very unhealthy kind of way. So, Matt, would you say it's pushing people away, or would you say it's going down and in in your own reality? No, it's it's really going down into my own reality. I, I don't I don't 
And in fact, I will uh, uh, make a concerted effort in, in my own mind to to not push people away. Uh, it comes across as push is as I'm pushing you away. I I I know that only because people have told me that, right? So so it feels that way. It will feel that way to you. But that's not, I'm trying not to do that, like actively push you away. I'm just retreating into my own space. Mm. And, and in that, and even, even um, like, even on a Sunday morning, just like when I'm, when I'm deep into uh, the things that I, my responsibilities on a Sunday morning. So running sound. Running sound, mm -hmm. if there's, if there's. Issues going on that have to be addressed, and I'm kind of under a time crunch and that kind of thing. I get very focused. I, I really pull back, and I'm not interactive with people. And then again, that comes across as being standoffish and and, and that sort of thing. I don't always realize that's happening, right? Because it's just it, I'm just deep into my own stuff. I'm not trying to push people away, but that's how it comes off. Yeah, and even it's interesting because even when you say push people away, because um, you and I have worked together a lot on Sunday mornings, um, doesn't feel like pushing as much as it feels like freezing me out or stonewalling me, mm. right? Yeah, okay. And, and so, um, but because I know that you're actually trying to conserve your energy to do what you need to do, I get to ask you and say, is there something that you need to say to me? Right. Well, yeah. So you you do that, and you do that very well. Um, and I can, in that moment, when you're asking me that, I can kind of let let go of some of the defensive tactics that I wouldn't necessarily let go of if somebody else asked me. And it's really just about trust, mm. right? We've done relationship for a long time, and uh, I know that you're, you, you have my best interest in mind. I don't always know that from everybody. Right, and so yeah, that will, that's great. That's a great thing you're pointing out. So is that fear? I think so, yeah. No, I, I think it absolutely is fear, and I think it's very much the, the core of where... A, a, a five will function. It's that fear of not being sure that that person has my best interest in mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, and if I'm feeling at all manipulated um, or coerced uh, or pushed in, then I'm even feeling it more. And sometimes that's just a somebody's personality style, and they're not really trying to manipulate me but if that's what I'm sensing because I'm not in a healthy place then I'll I'll push I'll freeze you out even more I'll just change my language because it, it probably isn't pushing you back it's just freezing you out I mean yeah and you're I think that's saying, a great way to great way mm, to put it it's freezing you out yeah and you're even saying armoring up I like yeah. that language too tell me what that means yeah. armoring up well you you know I think that I, I think that we try to be open, at least we think we try to be open to people and sometimes we try to be transparent, but when when the proverbial you-know-what starts to hit the fan, 
We call it fecal hurricane. Yes. So <laughs> this is a story of a hurricane. <laughs> um, when I'm starting to feel that happen, then then I I will really armor up and and actively freeze you out. Mm. Okay. Actively, actively freeze. freeze. I mean, I'm like intentional about mm. my withdrawal from interaction with with you as an individual or with in the the community at large. Right, the the, the people who are around me. I'm pulling back from everybody in that moment because it feels safe. Mm. I feel protected mm. when I do that. Mm-hmm. In in reality, it. I, it's not very it's not very protective it's in in reality uh, when when I engage in conversation uh, if I force myself to to re-engage mm-hmm. that always ends up being much more healthy for me in the long run I yeah. feel it I sense it but when I armor up I, I I'm, I'm pulling back I'm going into my space because that's what feels safe well, we want to bring you back when we talk with two, five, and eight, because you're you're really talking about integrating the heart and the gut of it all in order to come out of that armor or uh, thaw out, maybe yeah. even, yeah. And I'm wondering for you, Shauna, you know, fear. Where where does fear show up for you, um, and where does it switch from security and survival into a negative fixation of fear? I don't know if I can think of um, like a specific example of when that happens. Do you mind if I take you back to the place where you were on retreat when you talked about when somebody says something to you and you automatically say, you push that off? Yeah. So that might be fear. So I think, um, so, okay, so I can. Thank you. Um, So just overall in my life, I have had situations that have caused me to be very um, distrusting of other people, rightfully so, right? So that's security and survival. There were things I had to do to protect myself from certain situations. Um, And also, um, I have an ability to be and I don't want to sound conceited, but I mean, whatever, like to be really profound and really thought provoking and share stuff with people that a lot of other people wouldn't share. So it's like, oh my gosh, she's so vulnerable. But it's like, no, I'm really not. I'm giving you enough for you to think I am, but I'm not really relating to, I'm not really connecting with you. Mm -hmm. So as a seven, you're just, you're, you're giving us profundity uh, because you're afraid. Yeah, mm-hmm. partly because I'm afraid, but also partly because um, it's ha- it's been going on for so long. Like, I don't even know how to connect with someone. So, like, so I didn't even realize I was doing that um, until I actually had a connection with someone. And mm-hmm. I, there was, like, a couple uh, young girls that I had been a mentor for for some years, and they got to be adults. And one day they're like, cut the bullshit. What's really happening? And I'm like whatever do you mean and they're like well this is you know and they're both intelligent women so they were just like breaking it down to me like you're not telling us anything you're basically just saying a whole bunch of words like what's really happening and I was like like I don't literally speechless don't know what to do and so I thought about it as you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. full of head as I am so I'm like 
I was thinking about it at one point after like three or four days. And I just was like, okay, ask me anything. And so they sent me a couple messages and, and I had been through, I think one retreat at or one two year community at that time. So I was noticing what was my first response going to be? And it was a whole bunch of crap. And so I told them that like, this is what I was going to say, but this is what's true right now. Or this is what's real right now, I should say. Um, but it was like in that moment is when I realized how fixated I had become. Like it, it went far beyond um, a necessity and it had become an everyday practice. And so, yeah, that was when I was beginning to come away from that. So using a lot of um, words and story to stay away from what was really happening inside. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. And, and what I'll also say is, though, um, what I've had to begin to realize is I use a lot of story still. But I think I'm, I've become a lot more thoughtful about the language that I use. So what I'm saying when I'm being honest and real with myself what I'm saying, I want it to mean something. I don't want it to just be, you know, rhetoric. I want it to mean something. Yeah, and so you're doing that good work. What is the fear about letting people see you? And, and so, you know, security and survival around creating story to keep people out here um, or thinking or entertained or wondering. To, what's, what's the fear about? Um, I think it's a couple things. I think, um, one of those things is not being good enough for them. Like if they see who I really am, they're not really going to like me. Um, and then the other thing is, um, like just being afraid of being hurt in general. Like, because we, I mean, you know, when you love someone, at some point, you're likely going to lose them. Like, I know that's, you know, part of planning, right? Way in the future. Um, and so just, like, I don't want to feel that, that, so I just won't feel anything, which is the trade-off, right? If you don't want to feel pain, you also can't feel joy. So I think, the, I think those two things, yeah. Yeah. And so even when we call the seven the joyful person, um, what is that it, it, when when you um, are staying away from pain and you realize that, that you're actually cutting off your true self? Um, so there is one of my favorite movies, Inside Out. It's a cartoon. And it's like all about a teenage girl's emotions. And in, that, in the beginning of the movie, Joy is running her whole life. And Joy's whole job is to keep the girl happy. Something happens, um, and sadness runs away. She's one of the emotions. And Joy has to go find her. Um, and in the midst of finding her, um, Joy realizes that she had been trying to keep sadness away from the girl. She didn't want her to feel any of that. And they were reviewing, like, going over some things in her life, and she realized that without sadness... There was no comfort. So there was moments like where, you know, the girl like lost a hockey game and she was really sad. But then she felt the joy when her parents came and, you know, hugged her and told her, you know, it's OK. You'll have another chance. Those types of things. 
Or when she lost, um, had to move away from her best friend, she was really sad. But then she got to meet some new people at school, and then, you know, joy was present. So it was like, you can't fully experience joy necessarily without some sort of sadness. It's like you don't even know what it is that you have unless you have some sort of void that had to be filled. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you're talking about is the fear of feeling the full range of human emotion. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, the work that it takes to be willing to go there. That's, that's, that's big stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. think, like, getting to know the Enneagram more and more, like, with me being a seven, with the arrow theory, I'm connected to a five. So that's another head type. And then I have the wing of a six. So I have, like, so much in my headness going on. And then when I'm moving to the four, you know, being whole. So you're talking about harmony. And yes. we're gonna we're gonna bring you back to talk about harmony with the four and and the one because wow, that four can offer you a way to connect with sadness. And it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like you're going into a deep cave that you will never come out of. Mm-hmm. So Well, we're here to harmonize with you, Shauna. Yeah. 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 And, and Shane, you know, um, I know that I didn't go clockwise. In fact, I went from a five to a seven. How scary was that, that I went out of order? And well, thank goodness today I'm okay with that. In, in <laughs> fact, I, I attempt to uh, go against what those who study human behavior would say is normal human behavior. And instead of going right, I on purpose go left. And it's it's all for the purpose of um, not being so predictable mm. and, sh- and going to the edge and looking over and realizing that gravity still works where your two feet are planted and you don't need to go over the edge. So you're a six. And so you're talking about using some counterphobic um, practices in order to take care of some of the fear that's happening. So tell us where security and survival shows up. That's, you know, it's a, again, it's an important core motivation. But when does it move to its own too much and become fear that could paralyze you or cause you to be counterphobic and do some damage? Yeah, so there are two ends of the uh, spectrum, and I'll, I'll go to the low side, which I, I spent uh, way too long in, in the valley which takes me to a place where I completely withdraw from everyone. And um, it's it's very unhealthy for obvious reasons. Not only do I not want to be around people, but I work in order to cover up anything that I might feel and to take away or take care of, really is a better term, of any thoughts. Um, if I don't want the sun to shine, I can make that happen in my mind and keep myself in a place that's underwater, undercover, and away from uh, sadness, guilt, shame. Uh, but the problem with that is you can keep everything out, but you're also stuck in there. Yeah, what's that fear about, do you think? What, what have you been discovering? What would make you go underwater? The... People looking upon you like you're supposed to be a certain way, 
Um, I was raised in a, um, a home that was very legalistic and raised in the church that was very legalistic and I was never good enough and I was never uh, what I pictured in my own mind quite frankly because I never asked what is the right way what is the right person who is the good who are the bad and uh, in my own mind I took all of the things that I uh, quote unquote had been taught and made up this uh, persona, I guess, of who was the good person. And if I acted in a way that I knew and understood was only for people who did bad things, then obviously I was not worthy of standing in the light or in the front uh, amongst others who were acting in a better way. So how did that show up in loyalty and this whole idea, you as the loyalist, the faithful person? Um, who did you start becoming loyal to out of that fear? Well, uh, I don't know that it was a who, but it was a what. And substance abuse definitely uh, plays a role and literally becomes, uh, I'll speak for myself, uh, a spouse and a best friend and a companion that will not leave you or forsake you. Mm and uh, which, of course, drives you deeper into a darkness that eventually, because of chemistry, not only can you not choose to come out of, but uh, unless you have the proper help and somebody to come alongside you, you may be there until uh, you literally die there. And so even, you know, when we think about a what, um, knowing that you're on the, the, the side of being sober for so many years, which we're so grateful for, um, were there systems that you were loyal to? The church, militarism, what, what were the systems you were loyal to as you understand your sickness? Yeah, I mean, you're even loyal to people, but unfortunately it's those type of individuals who you would uh, rather commiserate with as opposed to uh, commence with uh, and do community with um, those individuals who talked like you felt or like I thought um, work became uh, the passion because I could escape there uh, it also without my knowing or, or maybe I did in a sense uh, subconsciously uh, helped keep a level of health that was conducive to continuing to thrive. And it certainly met the need of being good enough because you would not find anybody who worked harder than I did, and that was on purpose. And when somebody came up to me and they said, my goodness, I can't believe how much you accomplished. You're one person, and we could have four people here, and, and they wouldn't accomplish as much as you have. And eventually you get mature and, and where I'm at, thank goodness, today and realize that, well, certainly you're very effective, but look around you and there's nobody there. Yeah. But in those dark days when you were either loyal to a, uh, an unhealthy spiritual system um, or when you were in the military, how did you show up as a, as a loyalist, as a faithful person and... Um, tell us a little bit about a story about that, maybe. And, yes, and that would be the other end of the spectrum where I was underwater and then um, in these types of scenarios uh, in 
in an unhealthy place, uh, being the teamster, being in the uh, platoon, if you will. Let's use the military term, mm -hmm. as you uh, stated. Having uh, been in uniform literally since I became an adult, uh, I chose to go in the service, and it was very fitting of my personality, of my character, and I definitely fit in there. And the unfortunate thing was, in my immaturity, in the lack of um, righteous goodness, you become the vigilante. Hmm. And when you get a platoon of vigilantes, it doesn't. It, it you're not protecting the uh, community, if you will. Uh, you're protecting more a character that really uh, is more uh, demonstrative than it is uh, prone to community. What do you think you were afraid of in those days? It was a go-along-to-get-along uh, mentality, I'm quite certain, uh, because by myself I would not choose to do some of the things that I... I uh, uh, shamefully admit participating in. Um, by myself, I would never have come up with the thoughts to do the things that uh, I would on purpose become involved in. So was it out of security and survival and a fear, uh, negative fixation, negative fixation? Yeah, absolutely. Fear? Rejection is, uh, is, for as much as you try to isolate yourself, rejection is is probably... Uh, the thing that I would say for myself, I fear the most. So the need to be in a team, the need yes. to be in a platoon, the need to be um, part of a group. Yes. Yeah. And and was there a fear in trusting your own inner authority? So there was a trust in the outer authority of a group? I think the inner authority was so um, afraid to reveal itself that it was best to be with the group. It's kind of like a reflection in the mirror. You can be whoever you want in the mirror. Don't kid yourself that you only have to be the reflection because I can make myself up to look like anything I want in the mirror. And when I look at that reflection, I see what I made myself to be. And I think with the, with the people that I surrounded myself with, when I looked at them it reflected back to me mm -hmm. as I was strong enough, I was mm -hmm. courageous enough, mm -hmm. I was involved in things that that made me look like uh, I belonged. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And made you look courageous, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, um, head types really have so much to offer us when we consider um, how that, negative fixation of fear developed. And um, what we say with all of the types is if we're willing to suffer with you, you know, show compassion, which is that Latin word, compassio, if we can hear that, we can also discover uh, ways in our own mind that we are then sometimes um, hijacked by the negative fixation of fear. And you guys can articulate it so well. You know, the seven with futuring, the five with disappearing in the cave, and the six with joining, um, that the ways of dealing with fear uh, really can show up in us in very different ways. And, um, and 
with harmony, with engaging not just your head, um, there's a way to be free. And we'll, we'll do that on another episode. But we appreciate your vulnerability. And what we want to say is you guys are very courageous because when people really are fixated on fear, they can't have this kind of conversation, even talking about days gone by. We know you've done a lot of good inner work, so you're not stuck. But we also know that you're willing to keep moving and, um, and your lives are offering other people a way to pay attention to being stuck or moving to harmony. So thanks for that. Thank you. You're welcome. Will you come Thank back? You. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, Shawna, you were so, you were so hesitant. Like, uh, right? Uh, sure Don't blame do me this. a bit. Don't blame me a bit. We promise that Matt will have either trapped the raccoon yes. by the time you come back or Shane will bring a... a Something to take care of. <laughs> By the way that thing sounded, I'm not so sure it might be a black bear. <laughs> You're kidding. Yeah, I am, I am yeah, kidding. Yeah, right. So there were our five, six, and seven friends. And uh, just want you to notice if you're a five, a six, or a seven without judgment as a five, um, who have you been stingy with or withholding your energy? And why, maybe, do you isolate yourself physically to avoid contact with people? And are you getting stuck in analyzing and systematizing? So just notice that when you get stuck in the I don't have enough bully narrative and, and wonder about where your earliest memory of this feeling came from. And uh, consider talking with someone about that, a spiritual friend. Do some journaling around that and get to know the reality of that um, before we start to introduce you to how the two and the five help regulate that. And our dear sixes, you know, take a look without judgment. Don't judge yourself here. But when has a situation grown larger in your mind or that internal dialogue and this incessant doubt and questioning kept you stuck? Um, are there some decisions you're afraid to make right now? Uh, uh, are you alarmed about something? And and just consider talking with someone that could be a non-judging uh, presence, a non-anxious presence, and let them know when the earliest memories of this feeling came up. And with that, know that your three and your nine uh, can help to relieve some of that anxiety and help you let go of hypervigilance. And then our sevens. Um, when we realize that these feelings in the seven uh, are about avoiding pain uh, or these thoughts really are about avoiding pain, um, how are your ideas and plans distracting you from what's really important to you? Just notice that without judgment. What activities and plans for the future uh, are you using so that you're avoiding pain and negative feelings? And so just notice that when the reframing is happening and, uh, and when you're uh, you know, living in optimism mode and unwilling to go to the real parts of you that are sad um, and, and need to have place to speak. And with that, consider the earliest memory of this feeling and take some time to journal or talk to a spiritual friend and know that your one and four help is on the way and that there is a way to integrate and help you be more present 
and as we always say, it's about being present to presence for our five, six, and seven. It's about regulating. It's about harmonizing so that you're grounded and centered and able to be your full self with all three centers of intelligence, IQ, EQ, and GQ. Thank you for listening to the Enneagram and Christianity podcast. Know God, know yourself. Tune in again for our next episode.